joined today by Dr. Megan Pronovost, Assistant Professor of Child and Family Science. Megan, thank you for being with us today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So we wanted to talk to Megan because she's been very involved this year. Um, she recently completed our Assignment Design Institute. She also did the equity-minded pedagogy faculty learning community with William. And she was a facilitator for our discovery uh, group this year. So Megan, uh, what motivated you to be so involved this year? Um, so I've done several professional development trainings through the Office of Ideas, and I've had really great experiences. So each new one that pops up that seems relevant to sort of stretch my pedagogy, I just try it out. And I've had really good experiences in each one, and I've learned a lot in each of these communities, and I've sort of established a community with several people that are doing similar things. They continue to take these professional development opportunities, and it's really nice to have others to collaborate with and to bounce ideas off of and talk to. Um, so it's a great way to get involved with others that aren't in your department and gives you other ideas that can enhance your teaching, because sometimes you don't realize the wonderful things that are being done unless you talk to other people that are outside of your department that make you think of things that you could do differently. Can you think of a, an example of that, like either from this year or past experiences with professional development? So one thing that I implemented that I sort of learned through uh, Ryan Ditchfield, I hope I'm saying his last name correctly, yeah. um, but I think it was which, sorry, I've done so many of these professional developments. I don't remember which specific one it was. It might've been when I was a discovery participant. I think so. A while ago. Um, but we were talking about like active learning and using technology in the classrooms. And our department had been using a lot of iClickers, which I like iClickers because it gives you immediate feedback. You can discuss the questions, but there's sort of a cost involved. And Ryan had suggested um, a way to use technology to get sort of the same results um, through like quizzes. So instead of having asynchronous quizzes outside of the class, you can also use Canvas to do sort of in real time quizzing and talk about the responses and have students maybe even work together on the quiz in the classroom by using just Canvas quizzes and giving them an access code. And I, it seems so simple, but I had never thought of doing that. And I've done that this last semester in multiple of my classes and students, sort of as a check your understanding, I let them use their notes. Um, so it's low stakes, it's like three points, but it helps make sure that they're keeping up with the material and it gives them a good idea of whether or not they're understanding something. And I was just reading through my course evaluations and some students actually commented that they really liked those low stakes quizzes through Canvas. So it allowed me to get sort of similar results by doing them at the beginning or end of class without having them have to pay extra for a device like a clicker. That's one thing that I learned. It gave me like a the spark of an idea of like, how could I use this through someone that I connected with through discovery? Right. Who's in the criminology department versus you and uh, child and family science? Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And I don't know if he's doing it in his class. I never followed up necessarily, but he he's the one that sort of sparked the idea. 
I know I know he does do a lot of formative assessment. And so the whether he does do canvas or not, I'm not sure, but it probably got birthed out of his exploration of what he wanted to do in his class. So Great. And Ryan was part of our Assignment Design Institute as well uh, this past week. I think you guys are even at the same table. Yeah. So keeping that <laughs> synergy alive, you talked about building community and you can see how that can continue. So let's talk about the Assignment Design Institute. Um, what made you sign up for that program and what were your big takeaways? What was it like for you to be in that program? So I've always wondered if how I was sort of designing assignments was useful to students and what sort of spurred me to sign up for the assignment redesign was the equity-minded pedagogy course where we were looking through our syllabus and one of the criteria in that um, activity that we did was whether we were providing time estimates in our assignments to give students an idea of how long things should be taking um, giving them really clear like step one, step two, step three, and how long each step should take. And I realized that I wasn't doing a very good job of doing that in my assignments. And I thought that maybe taking this assignment redesign course might help me learn more about best practices to help students um, who might have different challenges with assignments. And I have some bigger assignments in my courses that do require a lot of planning and a lot of steps. Um, so that was sort of why I decided to take the assignment redesign course. It was really fun to learn about some of the AI tools. I haven't necessarily explored how I might utilize them in my class necessarily, but uh, one of the tools that I'm thinking about utilizing was the, I forget the name of it, but it's the tool that you can look at like an empirical research article and it can give you different um, levels of reading. So you can highlight different sections and it explains it to you in Plain a different paper. way. Yeah, explain paper. Um, so that I have students read several research articles. And so I'm thinking that that might be a useful tool. So it did expose me to some tools that I was not previously familiar with. Um, and I'm still challenged by the idea of giving students sort of multiple paths to demonstrate their learning. So I liked getting more information on the concept of that idea, and I'm still sort of working out how that might look in my classes and how to do that with my assignments. I'm still working on redesigning some of my assignments for that specific course, but I hope in for one of the redesigns I'm going to be doing to dive further into that instead of having students just write a paper, giving them different ways to showcase their understanding. Mm. So, so the uh, Asama uh, Design Institute was a three-day experience, and then that middle day was uh, it was online, and y'all got to explore whatever you wanted to that day. And it was so interesting how differently people approached that day. What did you spend most of your time doing on that Wednesday? I spent most of my time thinking about, I can't think of the terms, <laughs> the three terms that we were uh, broken down. Relevant, uh, universal, and transparent. transparent. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, I spent most of my time focusing on transparency because again, I feel like across all of these 
professional development opportunities, that's sort of what I'm trying to hone in on my courses is, am I being really transparent? And again, with the reading of the empirical research articles and trying to think about how to make my expectations really transparent for those sorts of assignments and uh, as well, make the reading transparent to students. So I spent a lot of time looking at the transparency resources and looking at the reading framework. So there was um, a resource on there that talked about giving students a framework for outlining different types of empirical articles. So that's something that I want to spend more time doing in class, having them work together to outline what a research article looks like, the structure of it, and how to identify which type of research article it is. And I think that will better help with their comprehension instead of just sort of giving them an article and saying, answer these questions about it. Because yeah. they, they don't, I don't think they necessarily realize the benefit. I think they just think they're doing this because they have to, and they don't see the connection between this assignment and all of their other courses and what's the concepts being discussed in class. And I think I could do a better job of making that more transparent to them and the assignment transparent to them. Because sometimes I struggle with things like plagiarism, um, like not necessarily, well, they're using, overusing direct quotes. So they're still citing it. So it's not plagiarism, but the whole point of the assignment is for them to show me that they understand what this research means and how it's relevant. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to know what the authors are saying. I want to know your interpretation of it. Um, yeah. So I think by talking about like frameworks for reading research articles, how to read a research article and making that more transparent will help them understand my expectations and will help them do better on the assignment and get more out of it. So it seemed like uh, um, a number of people kind of landed landed in a similar place, uh, exploring the transparency. Do you think that that is a problem that you're hearing from students, or do you think we just had a group of people who kind of saw that as a possible area that they they needed work, or do you think that's an, an issue that we need to address across the institution or across higher ed, maybe, or maybe or maybe students today need that in a way that students previously made maybe didn't or or didn't have that as a something that was discussed. I don't know. I do think students want more clarity on assignments. And I have sort of taken steps to help with that. Um, and I do think I'm getting better based on comments I get from students in check-ins and my course evaluations, but things like providing them with examples. So I didn't always do that when I first started in my teaching journey in 2019. And students were just really overwhelmed. So I think when they're overwhelmed and they don't understand exactly your expectations of like formatting, something that is easy points, something that they shouldn't have to spend like a ton of time on, it takes away from the quality of their writing or what you really want them to get out of the assignment. So I think students want more transparency on that and a little more structure. Like I was saying, I don't provide or I haven't been providing um, time estimates for how long something should take you. So I think incorporating those things across uh, courses at Fresno State would definitely benefit all students because I think that they get overwhelmed just having instructions and not 
having examples or rubrics or things that we should be providing that are pretty, now what I view as like basic, but um, I think it's not equitable across all courses. So students get really frustrated. <laughs> yeah. I th and I'm, th I'm thinking back to when I was a student and, and how much that used to frustrate me, not knowing, the not knowing what the expectations were. Right. So you mentioned making it more equitable. I think that's a good place to transition to, you know, your experience with equity-minded pedagogy with William uh, leading the group. Um, Very smooth, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> what what was that experience like specifically or or different maybe than than the one we just talked about? And then, you know, what did you take out of that one? Um, I really enjoyed at least the the cohort, the or community of practices that I attended, that they were pretty small. Um, I think that was beneficial with the topics that we were talking about and getting to dive deep into conversation with others. I don't know if that was intentional or if that's just like who, who showed up that day, um, but I, I did enjoy it. And I feel like I attended with the same, pretty similar group of people each time I went to those community of practices, which was also um, helpful. And I really enjoyed the reflection portions of it to really think about our identities and how it impacts us um, and some additional resources on things like implicit bias, which I talked to my class about because they work with young children, um, but to reflect on how that can affect me as um, an educator in higher ed, like it, everyone is subject to potential implicit biases. So I learned a great deal and I realized that there's a lot that I could be doing in my uh, course to help make sure that, again, I'm being equitable for all students. Our department is really diverse. So we have a large Hispanic population and a lot of students have diverse identities. They're students, they're full-time workers, a lot of them are parents, they're providers. Um, so there's a lot of things to think about when thinking about the assignments, the course schedule, and how overwhelming it might be. I think the biggest impact of that course was the student interviews that I conducted. So I conducted um, interviews with three of my students, and um, I learned a great deal about their interpretation of the course workload and how it might be challenging with the other courses that they're taking because of the way that our major is set up. So they might be taking a lot of courses that are really heavy together, like courses about developmental theory at the same time having a course with a lab where they're spending time in a preschool. So um, thinking about just that, in addition to the fact that they have all of these different identities and aspects of life that they're dealing with and thinking about how I'm structuring assignments, making sure that there's not a ton of overlap between assignments, that they have adequate time, and um, just discussing with them my ideas and prototyping um, whether I should add things or take things away out of the course. So I got some good feedback about um, how they really enjoyed these reflective activities that I was having them do, they were, but they were written. 
So maybe making some of them more discussion-based. And so there's less of that time spending writing their reflection. Um, and how the benefit of doing certain activities in class and um, mm. how adding some might be really challenging. So um, some of the preschool teachers at the sites that they're working with want them to do sort of more in the classroom. And I sort of brainstormed with them how that might work, what we, we, what we would need to change in the course in order to increase the number of activities, how they would feel if I kept the course the same and added the activities. And it was a really fruitful um, experience. And I definitely want to keep doing those uh, interviews for empathy in the future because I learned a lot about their experience at Fresno State and specifically about the course. And I would not have gained that information through a survey on Canvas or through a course evaluation because I was able to ask lots of follow-up questions and really get at their personal experience. And I don't think they would have shared that otherwise. And so how to, going forward, how do you, like what, uh, I guess, what things do you pay it? How do you become aware of when you need to engage in interviewing to change something? Like what what flags pop up for you like in the past and, and how are you going to carry, carry that forward with the interviewing skill? Currently, I do three check-in surveys throughout the semester. Mm. Um, and I have some open-ended questions there about like how they're feeling about the semester. Um, I ask them like, are you feeling good, average, stressed, overwhelmed? And they can elaborate that on an open-ended response. And then when I have a bigger assignment, I also ask them specifically how their experience with that assignment was and if they have any feedback about the assignment. So that is through a written online survey. So I think, and I always respond to those surveys with like personal comments, um, but I've never thought about using that feedback to spur like in-person interviews, but I think that would be a good starting point to realize like, oh, they're, they're not really enjoying this activity or it's not going how I wanted it to. There are some issues that are popping up maybe I should dive more into their experience with this and some potential changes. So I, I think that, that might be a good starting point. So finding themes and in, in the survey data and then digging deeper with interviews. Yeah. And I think just in general, I think it would be good practice at the end of the semester to try to get a few students from each class to just sit down and talk with you, not necessarily spurred by like anything, I, but I think it's a nice, cumulative way to get at how the semester went with as many students as possible. I know students are really busy at the end of the semester. Mm -hmm. So, but I just think in general, that's a good practice and it doesn't necessarily have to be spurred by any specific thing. And, and were the students uh, receptive to that? Were they, you know, holding back or do, do you feel like they saw that you asked them, so they were willing to just let it rip. <laughs> they I felt. feel like they were willing to let it rip. I got some very critical feedback, but it was very helpful. So they were very open with me in a very positive like way. So I didn't, it wasn't like a tense meeting whatsoever, but they were very honest in their feedback. And I, and I told them that like, this is just like to improve the class and please like, let me know. I did struggle a bit. They would sometimes go into other classes because we were also sort of talking about their experience right. at Fresno State. And I was trying to like 
reel it back in a bit because I didn't want to <laughs> talk about other courses necessarily. Um, but it was a very enlightening experience in general. But yeah, they were very open. That, so that's very telling though that that you're uh, they're being open with you and they're like, while we're at it, let me tell you about this map. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think they were really interested because it I don't think they get asked very often right. how their experience was at Fresno State, like in general, and to like map out their emotions and their challenges or their feelings as they went through their journey. So I think they were sort of excited to just tell someone. And the students, I will know, are were all graduating seniors because I sort of targeted one of my classes. So they may have been sort of more open to sharing because they're getting ready to graduate and they were really excited about that. That might have been one of the factors. <laughs> so, so last thing, and then we'll let you go. Um, we did want to talk about your experience as a discovery facilitator. So the year previous, you had been a participant, and then this year you were facilitating. So you've been on both sides of that experience. Um, so what was that experience like? Was that your first time facilitating one of those groups? Yeah. So what was that? What was that experience like being on the other side of that with faculty peers and not with students? Uh, it was a really fun experience getting to see the participants sort of like blossom and learn about tools and come up with how they might incorporate these things into their classes and to sort of see their excitement about learning. And it's always fun to sort of share that with others. And I feel like I always learn something, even being a facilitator and learning from others and seeing uh, new ideas um, that I have never thought of before. So I really learn a lot through others. So I think being a facilitator was the same sort of experience I had as a discovery participant. I was still just continuing to learn about what people were doing in their courses and what tools they uh, really enjoyed or wanted to learn about. Um, so I just learned a lot and I really enjoyed it. So with it's it's so interesting because um, with now with artificial intelligence and and all these things, people are starting to think a lot more about technology in the classroom. Whether it's whether that's for like good reasons or reasons of like fear, they're starting to talk about technology in the classroom a lot more. Like, where do you see yourself expanding in terms of? integrating technology in the classroom. And the other question is, have you expanded your use of technology in the classes that were not your discovery class? So I definitely want to use technology to incorporate more active learning. Um, I've done a bit of that in my classes already, and I've seen a lot of improvement of student engagement and class attendance. Um, so I definitely want to continue to do that and ramp that up in all of my classes. Um, and I'm mostly using tools that are really easy to access for all students like Google Slides and Google Docs. So a lot of collaborative in-class work where I give them, let's say, two different approaches to classroom design and instruction. I split them up into these two different theories. So group one is theory one, group two is theory two, group one is group three is theory one and so on. So they're all sort of working on similar things. They create like a Google slide together on their theory and then they share it with another group. 
Um, so doing more things like that, where they're collaborating together to learn about a topic that we covered briefly in lecture. So sort of moving away from heavy le lecture-based mm -hmm. um, classes and doing more um, like lecture and then learn interactively. And then let's talk about it some more, talk about a new concept and then learn about it. So I'm trying to do more of that. Um, and I have incorporated a lot of what I've learned in all of these professional development opportunities in all of my classes, not necessarily discovery, because even with like Google Docs or Google Slides, um, I find that students can still um, use these tools, even if it's not a designated discovery course, because I make it more group-based and not necessarily individual. So even if the student doesn't have a smartphone or a tablet or a laptop, they can be in a group that does and they can work together. So it's not necessary, not necessary that every single person has a device. Um, it is really nice in the discovery courses that I know that they do, but I have found that I can make this work even in non-discovery designated courses. Great. Megan, thank you so much. We'll probably have to have you back to talk more about dig into that group work. Research, <laughs> okay. other people have struggles with that. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah, thank you for taking the time and sharing with us this afternoon. Thank you. To learn more, visit our website, academics.fresnostate.edu slash ideas, or contact us to share your story, ideas at mail.fresnostate.edu.